Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Okay, play ball. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the baseball betting preview. I'm stuck in joining me today are none other than Sean Zarillo and Colin Wilson. What's going on, gentlemen? Excited to talk some uh, United States baseball betting. I have to defer to Sean on that because I've been had my head up golf while he has been sweating. 5 a.m. KDOs. Uh, he's got the Japanese league and ready to get to bullpens being blown over in the United States. I'll take one leads with guys who I actually have heard of before this year, as opposed to those 5 a.m. sweats where I have a CPPL bullpen leading away a seven run lead in the eighth inning. There's a few things as excruciating as that to wake up to in the morning. By the way, you've been like the hardest working man. I mean, also, there's basically been no quarantine for you as far as work is concerned. All of the sports that you do, you do a great job with the UFC, horse racing, all these different baseball leagues. So you've been busy as hell. Now you're going to have MLB coming back. Are you going to continue with like maybe just plug in the, your model and see if there's a big edge or are you just going to throw it away and focus solely on MLB? It's a lot of manual work doing these leagues. I'll probably try to keep putting projections out there, especially as we get closer to the playoffs, but we'll see if I have time to keep up with it. We're going to get into the rule changes overall in baseball, Corona's impact. We're going to talk about futures value, player prop value, get into a little bit of what we expect from a game perspective. So early on, are we looking for overs? You know, one of the big conversations out there is who's going to have the advantage early on with this reduced spring training? Is it hitters or pitchers? We'll get into all that. Before we do, Colin, you're in... You're in Arizona today. So you're, you're taking the Clemson route or the SEC route. You're trying to get Corona before the I fall. Flew down to Arizona uh, to visit some family. And little did I know this is the hottest spot in America for COVID. And I, I believe as of we are recording this, they are shutting the state down again. And maybe at the silver lining in all of this, with all these states shutting back down, this is happening now, right? And it's not happening in September. And maybe people are like, you know, it's a wake up call. Like, wear your mask. Who gives a fuck? Wear your mask. Like, if you go out, wear your mask. If, even if you, it ends up being fake. If the whole virus is a fake and it's a hoax. Wearing a mask won't hurt anybody, right? It's like, that's a no risk thing to do. Any any thoughts, Rilla, and how are you, uh, how was your weekend? How are you hanging in there? Looking at all these bets that we're about to talk about that I haven't been able to fire on yet because I'm I'm in New York and haven't been able to get across the river to Jersey in a while. Uh, so I, I'm planning a, a little car trip across tomorrow morning. Um, we'll see if I get let back into the state because it, it sounds like both states are going to uh, not go ahead with letting people into restaurants for the foreseeable future. Uh, I've been as careful as possible. Uh, you know, some people in my life who are high risk on immunosuppressants that I'm trying to protect, but it's just been a weird time, but it'll be nice to put in some bets in uh, various accounts across Jersey tomorrow. 
those are the people you have to worry about. My mom and dad are, are sick and older. I can't go see them. And that's the unfortunate part about all this, but it's health and safety first. My weekend, by the way, was I, f- I figured out, I confirmed last weekend I hit a golf feature. Turns out you can't do that every weekend. So I do have to go back to capping sports because it's not that easy. So I won't be able to survive on golf outrights for the rest of my life. But it was a nice thought for a week. All right. So before we get into there, I did want to just say uh, podcast announcement, right? We're doing this baseball episode comes out on July 1st. You know, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell whoever you're talking to, listen to it on 4th of July. I know there's no MLB. There's no Wimbledon this week either, but you can listen to this podcast, talk some baseball. And our podcast is really going to get kicked into high gear soon and then throughout the rest of the summer and then throughout the fall. And hopefully we get all of sports and everything can go on safely. We're going to have the PGA Tour betting previews all summer long. Starting the week of July 13th, we'll have our highly anticipated NFL fantasy preview episodes with Matthew Friedman, Chris Raybon, and Sean Corner. Plus, Kyle and I will start our college football previews. And Chris Raybon and myself will start our NFL previews for the AFC and NFC. Um, it's going to be great. We're going to get really busy. We're almost podcast almost every day. So tell your friends and uh, get used to uh, tuning in every day for some betting talk as we approach the fall. So uh, let's get right into it here with some just overall general thoughts. So I'll start with you, Zerel. You know, we got this. We didn't know if MLB was going to happen, right? Uh, the last time we were around, by the way, we were cashing at Nat's future in miraculous fashion. I watched the end of that game the other night when it, when it was on. And the Astros got bailed out here. I mean, they got really lucky. You have COVID. You have a lot of social movements. They didn't win the World Series, right? The pushback would have been a lot worse if they just won the World Series. All that stuff is kind of at the back burner. It'll come back up again. But here we are. They said they're going to go on with the season. They finally came to an agreement. They're arguing over 60 or 54 games. Here we are. What we were first initial thoughts like what did you think about how it's going to play out from either an overall just baseball perspective or betting perspective and then how has that shifted over time where do you stand now just high level yeah the Astros really benefited odd no fans in the stands that boo them every time they come out listen the teams that I liked before we went into kind of a delay and a shortened schedule I've only sort of been more ingrained in my beliefs that they're they're good value at this point We'll get into it, but the Reds, the White Sox, and the A's primarily before the season. And all of those teams have shortened dramatically in my odds compared to they, where they were prior to the, the year in the 162-game schedule. So I don't necessarily think that I've pivoted in a different direction from where I was prior to the year. I just think that there's probably a few more teams that now offer value. There's teams like the Indians, the Rays, the Padres, who I had sort of pushed to the side before the season. Uh, I was all over the Rays last year, but now I'm starting to take a more serious look at those teams, not only with regards to their World Series odds, but also potentially some divisional odds. Other than that, I think it's just a very good and unique betting opportunity to look at some long shots in the prop market and get a lot of those later. But I've been scouring through like seven to 10 books today, and I'm excited to talk about a lot of these potential value bets we got going on. To echo what Sean had to say, Fangraphs put out the percentage of your championship change and your playoff change. White Sox at the very top, you know, 18% a more positive chance for them to make the playoffs, a 2%, 2.2% change in their championship odds uh, comes down to the 60-game schedule. And you look at a team like the New York Yankees, like it was just not good for them to come down to a 60-game schedule if they have any kind of, you know, if they're not able to get off from the mark uh, from the start, you know, that that's really going to hurt their chances to win. But the, the teams that were heavily favored, you know, took the biggest chances in their playoff chances. The teams that Sean and I podcasted about months ago, whether it was the Reds or the White Sox, I think we still have a little bit of belief in that. We'll get into that. But from an overall perspective, 
you're not going to hear me say on this podcast once that I'm going to take it over on any team. There's just so much fluidity with everything that's going on. Ryan Zimmerman just comes out and flat out says, I'm staying at home. I got family. There's bigger stuff going on. I'm not going to play the 2020 season. He's not going to be the only one to do this. So what does that mean to me? Some of these pitchers that should be on these starting staffs, they're not going to be playing this year, which means people that shouldn't be at this show are going to be pitching in this five-man rotation. That's going to lead me to take a lot of overs on individual games. I don't see how I can take an over on a team total, but I will definitely like hop in on some unders as we get to go through here because there's going to be a lot of Ryan Zimmerman's. These teams report on July 1st, and then they're supposed to start playing games on July 23rd. I mean, spring training is six weeks, so I'm not... I mean, you can be working out in your garage all you want of, you know, who's the who's the pitcher I saw throw is the ball on the Dodgers at Joe Kelly that threw it through the window. Uh, I mean, it takes six weeks to get these arms going. And if you're not going, you're going to get rocked. And so I expect a lot of overs. But as from a team win total perspective, there's no way I'm taking it over in this situation. Yeah, even in the KBO, uh, the first couple weeks, the pitchers weren't fully stretched out. They didn't have a full spring ball. They, they started and stopped their spring training and then came back. But the run totals have actually kind of tightened after a few weeks in the KBO. So it was, it was pretty evident, even though the, the environment changed relative to what it's become. I think it was a little bit higher scoring to begin with. I would expect a similar scenario to play out with MLB games. Uh, and then on top of that, you have to consider the fact that we're starting these games in July. This is not the start of a season in April where you have a little bit lower run scoring. This is this is the summer months that we're jumping right into. So you have to account for that, too. This is This is not opening day happening in April. This could be a world where the Rockies or the Mariners start 15 and five. They're in playoff contention and they're looking to make moves. I mean, that, that's a real world we're about to live in. That's an interesting point, too, that you make that like which GMs would are more incentivized to maybe go for it this year, whereas some might just wait back. Just for those that don't know, maybe not everyone is familiar. It's a 60 game season. Uh, as you said, it starts late July. The playoffs are normal. Um, so there's talk about expanded plus. But there's going to be a universal DH uh, helps teams. I think like the Reds, we'll get to that. They're going to start with a man on second in extra innings. So you won't see these games going, you know, these 18, 19, 20 inning marathons, which can really beat up a bullpen. You know, a, a reliever has to come in and face at least three batters. And then the biggest change, and they're going to try and play in every team's home stadium, but it's subject to move, right? So if there's a big hot spot, um, they might say, you know, you're going to play somewhere else, which could potentially hurt a team like the Rockies, you know, who have a big home, their team is built to play there and they have a big home field edge, but everyone is going to play, you know, the, the NL East is going to play, you know, 40 games in their division and then 20 games versus the AL East central plays central. And those are the only teams that you play throughout the season. So that's basically what the format looks like. I can say when this first came out, my first thought was this, you mentioned the fan grass, they put out something that basically said, look, if you look at over, over most 60 game sample sizes, you know, there's going to be there's a lot of variance in baseball, right? And this is a 60 game season. It's a hundred games fewer than we're used to. You're going to have pretty much about two random teams that would get into the playoffs that normally wouldn't. On the flip side, this is a 60 game sprint. So the elite teams they can kind of try harder, and it might sound stupid, but they can push their their more elite starters. They can push their elite bullpen arms. They don't have to worry about saving them down the line. Um, you don't have to worry about giving guys days off. Um, things of that nature. So that's kind of the, the one dynamic that I was thinking about. And where I, I think I was most incorrect was about depth. So I said at first, I, I want these teams that don't have a lot of pitching depth. I, I think that there's value since there's only, you know, 60 games. So a team like the Rockies, you know, I can just get Marquez Gray and if Freeland can remember how to pitch, I have three. St- but 
look, you still have to go a four, you know, down the stretch late in this year, maybe you can go to three man rotation, but you still have to have four or five starters. I mean, you can have a pen day or two for most of the year. So a team like the Rockies I'm out on and with COVID, with all these questions, I think pitching depth is going to be really important to have. So I've came around there. And then my last thought overall was I think this, the one team that benefited the most from all this was the Yankees playing in just East is not easy, but they got healthy and they have a great pen that they can utilize. And on the flip side, I think the Rays were the team that was hurt the most, right? The, the Yankees, they're kind of a grinding team, right? They want to grind for 162. The Yankees are now healthy. They can't jump out, you know, and get a lead on the Yankees in that division. Um, so I think the Rays were hurt overall. So on that, you know, kind of considering that train of thought, Darrell, I'll go to you first. Where are you overall futures value from a World Series or, you know, if, if you want to go division or pennant, where are you – targeting i know you mentioned a couple teams what are the numbers you got where would you go down to and, and what are your thoughts there i fully agree with your sentiment on the race i mean from a, a number standpoint they shot up just because of the shorter season and the smaller sample but the yankees were so consistent last year they sustained so many injuries throughout the stretch last year and still held on uh they were really banged up coming into the year i think the rays would have ground them down over the course of a long season but in 60 games i think they lose almost that whole edge so the numbers and kind of the analytical side of my brain seem to disagree with that so in terms of the biggest advantage you're talking about with the schedule, that clearly benefits the NL Central. They each get eight games against the, the Tigers and the Royals. If you think about it from the perspective of the, you know, the top three teams that I envision in the AL Central, the White Sox, the Indians, and the Twins, they each get 40% of their schedule respectively against the Royals, the Tigers, and the Pirates. So that's a substantial amount of games against three very bad teams. So it's, it's kind of hard to envision two AL Central clubs and two NL Central clubs not getting in. So I think those are two good divisions to target if you want to find value with a third or fourth choice in the division. I'm not going to talk anybody out of betting the Pirates at 200 to 1 to win the NL Central. You know, it's not something that I see happening. I, I don't think that they have the talent on their roster. But over the course of a 60-game sample, there is value in them. They, they win the division probably you know, three and a half percent of the time, something like that. It was an extremely tight division to begin with. I think there were only three wins separating those top four teams and win totals in the NL Central prior to 162 game schedule. And now after you adjust for everything, there's probably, you know, one, one and change game separating the top four. So really, if Milwaukee wins the division, I wouldn't be surprised at all. We can talk about some props later, but I threw on our Slack channel today. I think Josh Hader to win the NL Cy Young at 150 to one is a pretty logical bet. As a long shot opportunity in the short season, they're going to be using him as often as possible, uh, especially relative to what else they have on their pitching staff. So there's a lot of different ways that the season could play out. You know, if you if you just want to talk about World Series value from those central divisions, I think the Reds still at 25 to one. I have them down to at 20 to one. The White Sox at 30 to one. I have them at 23 to one. I think either of those are viable bets. I was taking a look at Cleveland as well at 25 to one. I have them projected closer to 19. Cleveland is a really interesting team from a stars and scrubs perspective. You were talking about pitching depth, overall roster depth, the top three of their rotation with Carrasco, Clevenger, Bieber, and then in the lineup with Jose Ramirez and Lindor, uh, Fran Mill Reyes, I think it hit pro rate out 40 home runs over 162 game schedule. So they have a lot of top-heavy talent that could certainly carry them in a very short stretch of baseball. And then if they get to the playoffs, they have a top of the rotation that could function well within that format. They've just consistently kind of let down in the past because they sustain injuries over the course of a longer season and they don't have a ton of roster depth. And they, they manage to plug holes pretty well because they're a well-run organization. But 
Cleveland is a team that I've really had to consider over the past few days because I, I think that the schedule sets up well for them. They do have a roster that I think the Stars could carry them in a shorter year. Yeah, the, the point that you brought up with the Pirates, look, number one, you don't even have to tie your money up as long, but with, with only a 60-game schedule, the one thing I would remind people, though, is if you want to go, like you said, Pirates take a flyer in the division, even if you wanted to go to, with Collins Royals, who are atrocious, same thing, because once we get to the playoffs, it, the playoffs are going to look pretty similar, right? There's the same format, and like a you know a Royals is not going to beat a Yankees over a series. Like you're, I mean, you get in there, they're just completely overmatched. So if you want to go in one of those long shots, and I, I, like you, look, this is the time to to take a flyer. But I would I would rather go for division if you're going those shitty teams. Would you agree there? It depends on the pricing. Like in the AL East, the Rays, the Rays are you know I have the Rays projected at plus one fifty now to win the AL East. I think that the Yankees probably win it. 55% of the time, but they're, they're 22 to one in the world series futures market. So I'm, you know, the razor team who I think is going to have success in the playoffs, regardless yeah, they're of how a team they get that can match up with their pitching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw them take Houston in a game five last year and go toe to toe. Those games are all tight. So they have a lot of things that do work to their benefit once they do get to the playoffs. So I'm not going to take three and a half to one of them to win the division when I could take 22 to one as a world series future. But in the AL East with Toronto at 35 to 1 to win the AL East, yeah, I'm not going to take the World Series odds. I'd, I'd much rather take a divisional future at 35 to 1. Or, you know, the AL West, the Angels at 7 to 1 when I have it projected at 5 to 1, I think is interesting. You know, the A's, I have a lot of preseason futures on for the division. Now the odds are 275. I have it projected at 225. Like, I don't see a ton of value there. I'd rather just play a World Series future at 25 to 1 or 30 to 1. So, because again, I think they're in a similar boat to the Rays where if they do get to the dance, they have the pitching that can kind of carry them through. I, I really want to either go with a complete long shot for a division or take the second choice as a World Series future. Yep. Colin, what, what futures are you eyeing here from uh, a World Series or pennant or division perspective? Pretty comfortable with what Sean and I talked about and what I already have money on. And I'm glad it's not canceled, but having the Reds 50 to 1, that's long gone. Having, you know, the White Sox at the number they were, having Oakland at 4 to 1 for their division. So if there's a number that I'm going to hit before, play here starts in a couple of weeks. It's not because I like the team. I don't like the team, but the number is ridiculous. It's asinine and it's the Texas Rangers. Their playoff percentage chance went up according to fan graph, 16.6%. They're going to go play in global life field. Uh, it used to be park. Now it's field, different setting. They're going to have a retractable roof. You look at the left field, right field lines, 329, 326, nothing unbearable. I think I remember that their uh, left center field uh, wall at 372 is about the same as what they had before. So whether the roof is over or not, the ball shield could still be driven out of the park. I have serious questions with Corey Kluber. What fractures his forearm? He's out for a while, comes back for 35 innings. He gets absolutely rocked, gets shut down for a oblique strain. I don't like Mike Miner. His numbers, his XFIP numbers. I mean, just inflated that he was just kind of he was getting by last year when he shouldn't have. And that kind of there's a little bit of regression in the second half there and on him. So I don't like the Rangers. I love them as an offensive club. And you're going to let them start hitting in July and August, which is pretty fantastic for them. But I don't think this is a pitching staff that could actually win the World Series. But 85 to one is a ridiculous number for a team that is projected to finish pretty close to 500. And that makes you wild card worthy. So 85 to one is a number out there at Circus Sports right now. There are so many strikeouts in that lineup, though. And I just think that, you know, yeah. if Kluber if Kluber can come back, but they're really missing a right-handed bat. I thought that they were going to get uh, a good right-handed bat or just a solid right-handed bat, which I think that they desperately need. That could come back to bite them. But, yeah, again, it's a 60-game, you know, with a lot of variance. And if that offense gets hot, if Kluber can find his previous form and come back. And Lynn, look, Lynn, a lot of the Lynn's advanced numbers were good. Last year. Uh, any thoughts on the, the Rangers, Zerillo? 
Yeah, so I mentioned that you should probably either buy the Rangers or fade them completely. I took a look at their under 27 and a half or under 29 and a half. I haven't projected at 27 wins. Outside of the Orioles and Marlins, they have the worst collective position player group in baseball. Uh, it's pretty much Joey Gallo and then everybody else. So amongst the long shots that I was looking at today, Joey Gallo 66 to 1 for MVP at MGM really stood out to me. If they do make a run, you know, I think their rotation is going to have to be pretty solid, but I can't imagine Gallo not being a absolute monster contributor over 60 games if they do make the playoffs. And from there, I think that kind of builds his MVP candidacy into it itself. Uh, he played center field last year. He was actually rated out as a scratch defensive center fielder, which is pretty impressive considering his size and his power. So Gallo has been slowly improving, and I think people have kind of... But are you afraid no protection there, though, this year? There's not, like, your scary protection. Go I've read studies in the past that have kind of proven the protection is is actually overrated and and somewhat meaningless. Again, it's tough to, to see, right, in a 60-game stretch where there's less garbage time, so to speak, or guys going to be yeah. able to rack up the stats, or are the yep. works really going to show because they're... You know, they're not getting to face crap pitching late in games where the score's out of reach and it doesn't matter and you're getting all those junk at bats through the dog days of summer. So I think talent actually is going to really shine through this year because, you know, every every bat, every game is mostly going to be legitimate and you're not going to be able to pad stats with garbage time. My point is, if you're going to take a Rangers 25-1 to 1 future for their division, why not take Gallo 66-1 to 1 to win MVP? I think those two are pretty highly correlated. No, I, I agree with you, and I've seen some of those studies that protection is vastly overrated, but I don't think protection is overrated in October, right? And you're like, I'm not going to let this – because every bat means so much. Like, you will you can, you know, go back to bonds, right? I mean, you're, you just intentionally walk them in the playoffs every single time. So is this with more of a playoff mentality and how teams are managing? And, and it's like, hey, we're playing the Rangers. We are not going to let Gallo beat us. And is that – end up hurting his numbers and he just ends up getting a lot more walks. I don't know. Numbers is intriguing and he should put up, you know, if he's getting pitches, he's going to put up numbers in that park. How excited for you, the intensity. I mean, as a Phillies fan, like yeah. how, how important is each game? Like, you know, as a baseball fan, I rarely look at the standings early in the year. I'm going to be looking at the standings every day. I mean, every game means so much. The drama is going to be so high from day one. Hey, obviously everybody was super frustrated with how this played out, but I think once the season actually starts, people are going to be enthralled with the, the level of drama that is just there from day one. Yeah, look, Colin, even as a Royals fan, like if you start this season in March, you're like, we're fucked. There's no way to win it. Now, you're probably not going to bust, but it's let's fucking start 13 and two. And wow, we can have a couple weeks where everyone's like the Royals could get to the playoffs, right? Like it brings a lot more exciting to these teams that didn't have a shot. Listen, if you don't read Zerillo, it should be daily reading, okay? Go and read your Zerillo because he put out an article and said the Royals, true odds of winning the World Series are 110 to 1, and there's a book that's got them at 500 to 1. And even the the deepest – I mean, I it's been – I feel like uh, my Royals days are long over. I'll never see a World Series ever again. But, I mean, just there's numbers out there. Somebody, not the Orioles and Tigers, but somebody is going to start off 15 and five and be in a playoff hunt. And it's going to be the wildest and the odds. And that means there's going to be value on other teams that can probably make a comeback, but every day is going to be a playoff. And I want to further Zerillo's point. I mean, hater to win Cy Young. This is a Cy Young season where a reliever is going to win it because they're going to get the pin. A bullpen is going to win a division. It's going to get a team into the wild card. It's going to win a team world series this year. That's what's going to be most talked about at the end of every night. Not Madison Bumgarner only getting 11 or 12 starts. 
right? I mean, if you miss one of those starts or if you get suspended for throwing at somebody for 10 games and you only pitch nine times, you can't win the Cy Young. So I think this is a reliever award all the way, just like Zarillo said. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. I'm going to take a piece, some piece of that hater too, because one of the things that I hated about the Brewer, hater and hater, but I hated about the Brewers and Council is that I was screaming to use him, but he was so careful. He used, you know, he would treat Hayer with kids' gloves. They really didn't want to get him during the regular season. They would be like, we're not using him back to back. And I thought they should use him a lot more. I assume now they're going to, he's just going to get a ton of usage with a 60 game season. Not to worry about preserving him throughout the whole year and preserving his arm. So I think that's a great flyer in a 60 game season. As far as my futures are concerned, I thought that the, you know, if you want to argue like the Cubs and Phillies in a shortened game, a shortened season, I think that they can benefit a little bit. But I really wanted to stay away from the NL East. It's just such a I could see it going so many different ways. And then you're playing the AL East, playing the Rays, you're playing the Yankees. I mean, the Red Sox are pitching is way down and hurt, but still a formidable offense. So like you, I started originally looked at the Central and West. I missed the White Sox number. In a shortened season, I would love to have what you guys have. I think the addition of Grandal is going to go – it's huge for their pitching staff. That offense is is electric. I did take some Reds. That is my only NL future. Castellanos and the DH now I think is a big help. They have the pitching now. That lineup is very formidable. Diamondbacks are intriguing. I think, really you're going to get to that. I've been looking at them. Um, although it looks like Leak, he's out. Joe Ross, by the way, the Nats, he's also sitting out. But I went – in the AL, I went with the Athletics. I think anything over 21 is great. Um, I've ta- I was talking about this in Slack, talked this on Twitter, a couple of people. I'm all about the A's. I think I said that the Yanks benefited the most, and that's just because they got healthy. They have the pen now that just they can just use their pen, not worry about it. But the A's, with all of their young arms, right, they can just push these guys. They don't have to worry about I, – I don't think – look, and we, we're going to get to potential AL Cy Young on the A's. They have some great young arms. They have a pretty balanced lineup. I love their defense. They're pitching depth. You know, they have a lot of guys. You have Manaya coming back, Lizardo and Puck. Like, it's a legit team. They didn't add a ton in the offseason, but this is an up-and-coming team. They get a Manaya back. They bring these young arms up. I think this team, the only thing I'm worried about with them is one thing, and I think it's random. I couldn't find a good reason for it, so I had to throw it out, is slow starts, right? This team, every year you see the A's, they go on this huge run. You know, if I look back at the A's, they made the playoffs five times in the last 10 years if – we started on the first 60 games, they would have only made it twice. So this is a team, you know, if you just took the records after the first 60 games, they would have only made the playoffs two times in less than years. Why is that? I don't know. It's not like they go out and have these huge splashes of free agency. So I chalked it up to just randomness. Uh, and there, there's nothing to it. I don't think that there's something on this A's roster where they just can't start fast. So if there was something I could correlate it to, then maybe it would give me more pause. But I'm all about the A's this year. The other thing that you have working for you is how much of a of a drop are the Astros going to have now that they can't cheat, right? I don't know how to really price some of these players and, and the team in general. I'll get your thoughts, Ro. Like, what is the discount, the assumed discount on the Astros players, uh, you know, when you're modeling this out going into the season? What are your thoughts? You know, I think you, I think you keep them the same and you see how close the gap already is. And you note that it's closer than the market suggests that it is. So that alone leaves room for error with regards to the potential regression for the Astros from whatever advantages they might've had, but you don't even need that regression to come in for, you know, variance to work in your favor and those bets to have provided value. So I, you know, I think those bets are super viable. Welcome to the bandwagon. First of all, happy to have you join Colin and myself. You know, just a remark on what you guys said, Colin dropping the Royals at 
500 to one, you know, Fangraphs gives them a 0.9% chance of winning the world series. It's not like, it's just me coming up with some random number. The value is there. Uh, I believe they're hundred to one to win the division somewhere. You can, mm-hmm. I mean, I have them at 22 to one. So that's worth a little taste as well. Like if you don't have some sort of $10 bet on some team, that's 200 to one going into the season. I don't know what you're doing with yourself because this is, this is such a unique and fun betting opportunity. You just got to take a shot somewhere. Uh, you guys were talking about bullpens. I think the best bullpen, I don't know about your guys' opinion coming into the year. I'm pretty convinced the San Diego Padres have the best pen top or bottom. Yates and Pagan at the back of that thing. They signed Drew Pomerantz and they are the National League version of the Rays with terms of how they built their depth and their pitching into their minor leagues. They have a ton of international free agent signings, a bunch of Cuban guys who are super fun. Denilson Lamette coming back at the end of last year off of Tommy John surgery. Paddock, no innings limit concerns, you know, in a shorter season. So the Padres, like, I, I don't want to buy into the Padres because I'm so high on the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, at this point, I should mention the Diamondbacks at 10 to 1 to win the NL West, absolute value. I have them closer to plus 350. The Padres plus 10. They're, they're also 10 to 1 at the Westgate to win the NL West. I have them at plus 425. So the Dodgers were super dominant from start to finish last year. And I believe they would have won the NL West over every stretch of baseball. But two years ago, they did start out really slow. Uh, they they became the second choice of division at one point. I think I can't remember who they fell behind, possibly the Rockies earlier in the year. Uh, and then the Rockies won on that late run as well to end up getting back in the hunt. But the Padres team is – this pitching staff is just incredibly talented. They have a ton of dudes who throw hard, uh, and I think they're going to be really scary and just kind of keep coming at people, playing a lot of tight games. So they, with that pitching staff, Machado, Tatis taking a step up, like that is a scary team. The Padres fit the mold of a team that is young, hungry, has the talent, and has a GM that wants to buy when he's going to need to buy. Now, there's another team that fits this mold, so I'll wait until we get into the division previews. Uh, I actually like them better than the Padres because Zach Davies, that K-rate scares the hell out of me, and I need Lament to really take that next step and be the be the next ace. And then I, I've always had a problem. You guys know how much I love Eric Hosmer being a former Royal, and when you've got Madison Bumgarner, Robbie Ray, and you know left-handers like Kershaw in that division, that is really rough to have him bat number three and if protections uh, is not overrated, that hurts Machado. If Machado can get off the schneid after switching leagues here, but we'll talk about another team that I think is also young and has a GM that's willing to make some moves. You know, the Diamondbacks have a ton of rotation depth. I think Leak might have just been told, like, "Hey, man, you're number seven. Like, you're probably not going to pitch. So if you want to stay home, stay home." <laughs> I, I think that was a, that was purely like a depth thing, and I, I I think the Zimmerman thing and the Joe Ross thing were a little bit more impactful. But that being said, he's not going to be the last guy that stays home. Yep, that's that's going to be something to watch for sure. The interesting part about the Diamondbacks, look, you know, you have, you know, you had a Bumgarner, and they're, that lineup is legit, man. That lineup is balanced one through eight, well, nine now in the NL. It's a very, very dangerous lineup. It's an intriguing team. And if they win, you, know, you assume more times than not, the Dodgers are going to win the division. But in a 60 game, there, there is some value, I think, on the Diamondbacks. But if they, if you want to go World Series, the one thing to keep in mind is if they get to the wild card, guess who you got going? Probably Madison Bumgarner, the maybe the greatest single game postseason picture of all time. Sorry, Colin. So you got to keep that in mind. And I think like he's I think he's their second best starter, Stucky. I think Zach Allen's yeah. a better pitcher. And uh, you know, my my favorite long shot bet for NL MVP is Starling Marte at 100 to one. That was an incredible trade for them. Fits their lineup perfectly. They added Cole Calhoun in right field, so they have a complete outfield now. David Peralta coming back in left field, so that that's like like you said, a complete lineup top to bottom. 
They fit really well together. They're a really good defensive team. The bullpen's, bullpen's a little bit concerning. That's probably their one weak spot, but really good rotation depth. Uh, I just like watching this Diamondbacks team play baseball. They're just fun to watch. All right, what, one division we haven't talked about yet is, or we haven't talked about a lot, is the NL East. So you have your Mets, my Phillies. We have the Nats who cashed our future last year. And sorry, the Braves as well. I mean, it's a loaded division. And then the Marlins. The one thing I keep coming back to with the Mets, obviously you don't have Syndergaard, which would have really helped in a shortened season. But that defense just scares the living shit out of me. I don't know if I trust the Phillies pitching enough. And I just don't see any value in the Braves. This is a division I wanted to stay far away from. Darrell, I'll, I'll get your, get your thoughts here and Colin, you too. So I'll start with you. Any overall thoughts on your Mets? Are you more or less excited about the Mets of the shortened season? And do you see any value in the NL East? No, this is probably the toughest division in baseball to bet on probably since the start of the year. Uh, just super tight projections, but I felt like everybody's probably pretty on point with where they were put. I think the Marlins really got the short end of the stick with the schedule. They can only play the four NL East teams that are projected to finish above 500 over the course of 162 games. Plus, yeah. now you had the you had the Yankees, the Rays, a improving Blue Jays team. You know the Orioles, whatever. But the Marlins under 24 and a half is appealing to me. I projected them at 22. So I think if I make two win total bets, I mentioned the Rangers. I'm kind of like indifferent on that one. So I think the Red Sox under 31 and a half and the Marlins under 24 and a half are the two win total bets I'll likely make. I think the other eight teams in the Easter divisions are just going to put enough on them that they're not going to be able to get there. RIP your CLV on the Red Sox win total. What did you get it at? And where was it at? You know, I'm not, I'm not ready to talk about this yet. I, <laughs> I bet the under it 94 and a half. I points bet it at 93. So I, I would have won my bet each time over every when they, they finished under 93. I believe the last it closed before the season was canceled was 84. So yeah, that's uh, one of the best bets I'll ever make that I'll just never see the light of day on. But the Phillies at five to one at the Westgate is probably the only divisional value I see in the NL East. I have them at around four fifty. That's another stars and scrubs team with Real Muto, Harper. I think Hoskins is an interesting guy to bet for most home runs. Uh, I think he's there was like a sixty to one on him somewhere. Still believe he has one of the highest power ceilings in baseball. So. Listen, as a guy who watched Zach Wheeler for a few years, I don't think he's a, a star pitcher. I think he's like a solid number two or number three guy. I kind of have similar opinions on Aaron Noah. But if you give me 60 really good games from your three stars in your lineup and then a bunch of good starts from those two guys, you can make a wild card run. Bullpen's troubling, though, too. How about your Mets? Are you more optimistic with a shortened season than you would have been in a longer season? I mean, there's fewer opportunities for their entire roster to get hurt, which is usually the problem. The fact that they are the world champions of opening day means that they're one win closer to making the playoffs. So we're guaranteed a one and zero start. And then from there, you just got to go, what is it, 30 and 29 the rest of the way, maybe to, to make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think the NL East is like it's a crapshoot and all we're getting is a shorter sample of that crapshoot. So it's if you want to roll the dice with the longest odds in the Phillies, that's probably the best bet. I mean, I guess one of the arguments, I mean, the Mets, they're, they're, they're so old in certain places, man. But, like, I mean, you get Porcello and, and, and Waka. It's an even year, so isn't Porcello maybe supposed to be good if you believe in, like, the Giants' even year voodoo? But they're older guys that in a shortened season you can push harder and there's less injury risk um, with those guys that you're filling in the rotation behind, um, obviously, DeGrom and Stroman. Colin, I don't know if you want to go NL East or you were talking about another team that you were hitting at before with a GM that you think would go at it. I'll, I'll let you go where – you would like to wander. 
Yeah, I'll give a quick thought, and then I'm going to bridge over to the ALE. So I, I completely agree with Sean. I just I didn't see any value in here because I I legitimately think four teams could finish with the exact same record. And you know the Marlins were given uh, 0.522 strength of schedule that was second highest out of all teams according to Fangraphs. So you can count them out. Uh, and then there, you know you it's just a crapshoot between the best four teams. Uh, in that division. And I would say that I would take a really long shot flyer on Michael Conforto to win the home run title. I just think he's a guy who's not seen the ceiling of how many home runs he can actually hit. He's got, uh, you know, Suspedis in front of him. I believe Pete Alonso is going to bat third there. And, you know, if Conforto stays healthy, the biggest knock on him is that for some reason he was platooned all the time. And if he gets a, you know, it gets a full 60 games and gets enough ABs in there and, uh, you know, Suspedis is seeing all the, the action. He's just, you know, left behind with guys on base. You can see something special out of Conforto. I, I don't think we've seen the ceiling of his home run. So I should let probably let Sean talk about it. It's his team. But I, I don't feel like we've hit Conforto's ceiling. Uh, do you think about that, uh, Zarello, before I, I hop onto the ALEs here? Yeah, and he's a guy who can just binge for four weeks too. Yep. Like he he gets super duper and hot. Strikeouts when he does get hot. Yeah, exactly. Both. Kind of both. <laughs> but you know, having Suspatis potentially for the universal DH spot is exciting. They have a lot of bad defensive players on that team. So the ability to move guys in and out, JD Davis is pretty bad defensively too. Move in and guys in and out, platoon. But it's it's also a new manager. And we, we haven't talked about this yet, but there are 10 new managers across the league, which is a substantially mm-hmm. high number. I do think, and this is important because we're not in the midst of talking about divisional futures, but if you are looking at these divisional futures or long shot futures or teams that might intrigue you, just keep in mind, it's going to be so much easier for a team to pick up where they left off than it is after a delayed start. Virtually coaching all of their players and doing player development over the winter, like they're they're doing what we're doing. They're doing Zoom calls and they're telling a guy work on your swing. You know, change this and giving them advice over Zoom. So it's it's not hands on coaching. That relationship that already exists is gonna be so much more beneficial this year than it was prior. And that's a major bridge over to what I wanted to talk about, which was the AL East and the team that I love out of there is the Toronto Blue Jays. And when you talk about how teams have new. Uh, you know, coaches in place or new, the, the Yankees have a new pitching coach and he's not hands-on. He's not mechanics. He's uh he's an analytics guy. He does his stuff over zoom. The pitchers don't know him that well. And, you know, the Yankees, this layoff, I don't think it, I mean, I know stuff you said it's good for their health, but scheduling wise and chances to make the playoffs, a 60 game season means other teams can get hot and, and potentially knock them out. I mean, there's a lot of ways for the Yankees to get knocked out here. A team that is young, full of talent. I mean, loaded with talent as a GM that's ready to, snap his fingers and, and and try to do something specially. And so if there's a win total I'm going to take, it's going to be over 28. Now, I know that their projection, I believe, is 27, uh, according to fan crafts. And Sean, I'm not sure if you're around that uh, 27 as, as we're doing this here. But we don't know where the Blue Jays are going to play. It could be down in Florida uh, at their spring training facility at, uh, at Dundon. It could be up in Toronto at the Rogers Center. We'll see how COVID plays out. Uh, they are deep in the talent player pool. Now, what I mean is, is if they got to call guys up, they have a major amount of guys on the farm that are heavily talented. And it's not just Biggio and Bichette and Vlad Jr. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez is a guy that I've rostered in fantasy baseball for years because he gets hot, he gets streaky. And this is a guy that's potentially going to bat eighth and, you know, go through the go through the DH part of the lineup. Uh, you know, pitching-wise, they added Ryu. Uh, they added Tanner Roark. I don't believe in Matt Shoemaker. But, you know, th- this is a team that I think is a pitcher away and a Yankees fold from winning a division and making a serious run. They are young enough. They are, I mean, they can blast the ball with anybody in the league. Uh, I love the Toronto Blue Jays. 
That's my key too. Is that's what held me back on the Jays is their starting rotation. Like I'm not a big shoemaker guy. I'm. I think Rio is a big re- regression candidate. He was obviously really fortunate last year, but now he's going from pitching in all of those, you know, all of the teams in the NL West. Right. There's a lot. I mean, you have you have to go to Arizona, but you're pitching in in San Diego. You're pitching at home in L.A. Right now, you're going and playing all these East, the AL East, the NL East teams. And he was just fortunate overall. He's your number one. Rourke is your number two. If that rotation gets into the playoffs, even, I don't love it. But look, if they go out and get another starter at the deadline, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a team that in a 60 game. Uh, look, and I think Zerol said this earlier, I'm not going to argue against anyone wanting to take a flyer on a team this year in this sprint. Uh, thoughts on the AL East, Zerol? Yeah, so I said, you know, I'm going to, there's value on the raise at plus 350. I'm going to bypass that. I'd rather take a future at 22 to 1. The Jays, I think, is the team to take a divisional flyer on 35 to one. I have them closer to 2,400. So that's that's of interest to me. If you want to talk about rookie of the year, I'm extremely high in Hazel Cesardo, obviously. Louis Robert for the White Sox is the favorite. But Nate Pearson, I'm seeing him over 20 to one. He only needs to stay down for a week. So he's basically got to miss a start before he can come up with the Blue Jays and get that extra year of service time. This guy's going to be a top of the rotation arm. So you add him next to Ryu. They have essentially two or, you know, two number two pitchers from the get-go, uh, which is why I do like them to surpass Boston this year. And, and Colin, just to your point, I have them at 28 wins. So they're they're right on the border with Boston. Enough pitching to get through a wild card game with Pearson, right? I mean, if, if he's as hot as 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 touted, then then enough to get through a wild card game. Yeah, I certainly agree. They're, they're a 500 club in my estimation. Look, we've hit a lot of different futures, player props sprinkled throughout. Before we get to some thoughts on the rule changes and or what we think of games early on in the season and strategy there, I'm going to go around the horn, kind of sum up and then add any you know sprinkles that you want to mention that you haven't mentioned before. But I'm just going to say A's talked about them a lot and the Reds. I mean, I think that they have the pitching. They have the pen. You know, you have we hinted at this early Castellanos now in the DH spot, the universal DH. That's huge. You know, don't forget about Aquino now. You're going to have him for the full 60 games. You have Akiyeme as a potential leadoff hitter. I mean, this lineup is Moustakis they add. I love this lineup. They have the pitching that I think if they get hot in the playoffs, they can play with anyone in the NL. So it's Reds, it's A's, and then I'm going to be taking a couple flyers. Maybe it's a, a Royals for the division. Love the hater player prop. I'm all about Lazardo. so probably take a shot there, although I wish I would have got – what was he – about a year ago for this year, what was it, 100 to 1, 200 to 1? 300 to 1 in December. 300 to 1, yeah. which would have been nice. Obviously, he would. I don't think he would have had a shot because they wouldn't have been. They wouldn't have used him all year. Uh, but now they can use his arm for 60 games and not have to worry about that. So that's kind of where I stand. I can't hate you if you want to go, you know, like I said, uh, a Cubs. If you want to go anything, the Phillies, like George, just take a shot. Have some fun. There's going to be a lot of variance. Uh, so, Colin, I'll go to you. Just sum up your kind of your favorite futures that you've hit any player props or anything you haven't mentioned. Like I said, I'm not going to take any overs on any of these win totals, but some of the unders I like, I would take the Cubs under 32. This is a team that I'm not sure about their chemistry, new manager, uh, G there's just all kinds of things going on here. And if you're in a 60 game season and you get behind by seven games with 30 games left to go, the Cubs and the Red Sox feel like a team that's not going to leg out. They're not going to leg out those deep uh, ground ball, uh, to the shortstop hole, and, and I just feel like with their win totals, it's it's something I would want to be on the under on. Still love Oakland to win their division, uh, and I'm taking a long, long shot flyer, not because I love the team, because I love the number. I'll be on the Texas Rangers at 85 to one. Uh, 
Good summary there. And I just want to say something. I, I wish I had your White Sox number for the shortened season. I don't see any value there, but I do still see value in the Reds. I hit them 28 to 1, I think, just as I hit the, the A's at 28 to 1. I think both teams in their situations with the shortened season, anything over 20 to 1. Now, I've seen the A's. I think they're getting hit some places. They're down 18 to 1 at some places. Uh, but anything over over 20 to 1 and, you know, even more value the, the closer you get to 30 to 1 on both of those teams still has value. Uh, Zerillo. I'll let you uh, sum up where you're at over here. Yeah, you were just kind of setting that 20 to 1 mark as a cutoff. I agree. You know, the the Indians, the Rays, the Reds, uh, the White Sox, any of those teams, 25 to 1, 20 to 1, I'm fine with. Padres, the D-backs, 41 or better, I think are also good considerations. Uh, the two one totals I'm going to be on, the Red Sox under 31 and a half, open 32 and a half. I still like it at 31 and a half. Probably the Marlins as well. Under 24 and a half, I have them at 22. Divisional prices that I think are actionable at this point, Toronto at 35 to 1. The Angels at 7 to 1 is interesting. Phillies at 5 to 1. It's probably oh, and then the Padres and D-backs in the NL West at 10 to 1. I think I think those are you know where I would target at this point. But my advice to people would be to try to build out a futures card where if you're going to be betting player props, player awards props, try to build them that correlate to whatever you think is going to happen in a division. So a lot of the player awards that I bet, Matt Chapman, 25 to one for AL MVP, Giolito, 18 to one for AL Cy Young, Soto at 11 to one for NL MVP, just because I think it's his year. But there are still a lot of futures values on the board that I, I think I'm going to be attacking. And I think that is where most of the value is at this point, just because of what can happen in a short season. So the bets I like most from there, AL MVP, Meadows, Gallo, 66 to 1, Yasmani Grandal, 60 to 1, Cy Young, Morton, Giolito, 15 to 1, 18 to 1, Lazardio at 16 to 1, NL MVP, Josh Bell at 80 to 1 for the Pirates, Starling Marte, 100 to 1 for the D-backs, NL Cy Young, if you get you Darvish, still at 25 to 1 at MGM, which I think is a big standout price. There's He's like half that in a lot of places. He was really hot down the stretch last year. He walked like five batters over his final 10 starts. Um, and then for most homers, uh, Stanton 20 to one, if you go by at bats or home runs per plate appearance, he's right there with Gallo at the top and in a 60 game season, he should be able to stay healthy. Hoskins 50 to one, George Springer, 80 to one Springer was pacing for 50 home runs last year. And he's guaranteed at bats at the top of the Astros lineup plays every day. So I think at a short stretch, he could certainly lead the league. And then Keston here at 800 to one, that guy's a ton of power. Just he's, he's a potentially superstar bat. Really bad defensive player, but uh, that guy is like a 40 homer bat over the course of 160 games. So if you give me 100 to 1 odds on him, no question. Even his MVP odds are, are pretty crazy. He's not a good defensive player in ACLH on that team, but here's a guy to watch out for. Fantasy-wise, too, he's, he's going to be an absolute stud. I was I need to find some odds on the newest Oriole, Heston Kerstad, drafted straight out of the University of Arkansas. Uh, he's going to be a banger for the Orioles in the future. You know, that's one thing to watch, too. I don't know if we're going to expect any of these kids are just coming out of college or – and a college game is is a mess right now with eligibility and stuff. But, listen, Nick Madrigal out of, you know, Oregon State, that's going to be a big name that you're going to need to know about. Some of these college players coming out are going to have an effect on this game. I can think of a lot of World Series runs uh, that came from kids that, you know, got out of the College World Series in June and had effect in September and October. So, you know, I would research some of these names that are coming out of college, especially really high up in the draft because they're going to have an effect on these playoff runs. Yep, and uh, I should say, as always, we'll say this on every podcast almost, shop around. Um, that's why it's important to have multiple outs, especially with these futures. And you're not even tying up your money for as long, but whenever you're betting, just if you have the more books you have, the more opportunity you have for to get the best price, which is obviously one of the keys to success in this gig. 
Yeah, I think the most important thing is your depth. Just overall, you're going to have, I think, a lot of in, you might have more injuries than, than normal. You know, you might have a you might have a COVID outbreak. Um, so I think depth's going to be important, especially on the pitching side. The schedule is more important than ever. And then having a GM that I think will go for it. I think that those are going to be the differentiators in addition to just all the variants in a crazy 60 game season. So before we get out of here, let's talk about, you know, you have these some of the rule changes that we've mentioned, you have this shortened spring training. And a lot of guys that I've talked to have said, and I agree, that the hitters will have the advantage early on versus the pitchers, who I think take a little bit longer. Now, markets adjust very quickly. You'll, you've seen this in rule changes in other sports. You might have an edge for like a day or two or a week, like college basketball when they made their rule changes. So we're, we're talking, you know, if there is a big advantage, the markets will adjust quickly. But for those, you know, the first week, the first couple of days, what are you looking at? Are you looking at more overs because of that? Are you looking at something live? So Zarilla, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm probably going to be targeting or, or I would say projecting pitchers to go fewer innings at the start of the year. I'll probably dock them each. Uh, I, I would have to look into the research to see, but I, I would imagine I'll be docking them each about an inning from their starts, you know, projecting for about 80 pitches instead of 100 pitches on a pitch count. So with that, you will have bullpens more involved. You'll have bullpens getting more tired out over the course of the first week, just because it's going to be a cumulative effect the first time through the rotation. And then after that, I think things should slowly start to level out and normalize and get back to, you know, what you would expect until we get to the playoffs or closer to the playoffs. And then you may have guys going on four days rest because or three days rest because you are in a tight race and you need to get into that playoff. So there's going to be a lot of very aggressive adjustments, but I think you do need to, just on a game by game basis, like consider things more aggressively than you would over the course of a 162 game schedule. Generally last year, you know, I'm updating my models on a weekly basis, updating the inputs on a weekly basis. I don't know if I have that time this year. I think, I think this has to be like a, a daily process and I'm going to have to think more deeply on a game by game basis than I ever have before. What I'm going to be looking for early here is pretty easy. I, I go to see spring training every year, and I understand that there are pitchers out there that during spring training, they're working on a third or fourth pitch. Like they've never thrown a slider. They're trying to throw a slider. That is not, not what's going to be happening between July 1st and July 22nd. These guys are coming out there to give their best stuff and get tuned up for the season. So if I see you getting rocked on July 16th, I'm probably and I I never do this in previous seasons. I don't I don't care about spring training stats. I don't pay attention to them at all. Once the season starts it's game time but for some reason with a shortened spring training i think that this is not this is going to be more than an exhibition game these guys that are trying to get their arms back in tune they're really going to show you what they've got heading into these couple starts that they're going to have before the season starts they're not out there just working on a third or fourth pitch if you suck during july 1st or july 23rd i'm going to fade your first couple starts until you make me pay for it you know, a lot of these guys haven't thrown off a mound in four or five months. It's not like having a basketball hoop in your back. I mean, even Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't have a basketball hoop at his house. So, like, if yeah. the NBA MVP doesn't have a hoop at his house, like, how many baseball players haven't picked up a bat or thrown a baseball in so many months where they're just going to be so out of shape, uh, so out of tune with their bodies? Like, th this is going to be a lot to just pick back up and, and start going again. Yeah, I mean, plus with the new rule change, with, with, when you have to come in as a, re a reliever and face a minimum of three batters, and early on, if control's an issue and you come out, it's not like I can pull you if you walk two guys, right? Also, I can't, I can't have my lefty specials to face, you know, their power left-handed bat. Interesting things to think about, but I think that they lend itself to overs early on. Again, the market's going to adjust quickly. Just certain things to think about. And Cyril, one thing you mentioned. I don't know if it was on this part. I think it was offline about live overs, potentially. You want to talk about that? 
So they removed any, they were going to institute limits on position players pitching at the beginning of the year. They've now pulled that out. So managers are going to be need, need to be creative with how they rest their bullpen arms, wanting their best guys to be able to go on any given day. So I do think as you see teams fall behind, they're going to give up on games. They're going to give up on days. They're going to pull their starters out and they're going to throw in a position player to pitch. They're going to throw in their worst reliever to pitch who they can send down to their taxi squad the following day. So don't be afraid to target live team totals, target live spreads with teams who are in blowouts. I think you're going to see four run leads become eight run leads very quickly this year. And I, I think you're going to see some teams that thought they were World Series contenders fall about five games behind halfway through, and they're just going to give up on the rest of the season. I mean, it just it feels like a thing that the Red Sox could fall into. It feels like a thing that the Cubs could fall into. And the Orioles, I mean, if they're 10 games out, 20 games in, teams are just going to have a field day going up against them. I don't think there's a harder sport in the world than baseball, too, once you start pressing. Once once you really feel that pressure and start pressing and feeling like you, the need to perform, then guys aren't going to want to be there. They're going to be like, well, you know, we're losing. Why am I here? I'm subjecting myself yep. to COVID. Like, they, there's no point. So they, oh, there's going to be the potential for this to just fall apart for certain teams. We, we haven't heard of anything about Trout and, you know, he's having his first child on the way. Is he going to be allowed to go see? I mean, there's a lot of that. That's not just a Trout thing. That's an every player thing, getting, you know, and able to see your family. Uh, and if your team is losing and out of it, it's going to be some big scoring games. Yeah. Uh, we, by the way, Angels, we haven't talked about, but they 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 obviously added Rendon. Their offense, you know, you have Otani back, is, is really special uh, if it stays healthy. But the, the pitching just isn't there. All right. Uh, I guess the last topic before we get out of here, great stuff, guys. And, look, everyone's like, oh, MLB, they're – everyone's whining. I hate it. I'm not going to watch. Everyone's going to watch, man. And every, I'm excited. As soon as it starts back up, the fever is right back and everyone's going to forget what happened. And we're, we're just dying for sports to come back. It's actually starting a lot earlier. It's spring, tr- like spring training is going to start. Are you, I'm not getting involved in spring training this year. Maybe after I see some, I don't know what anything's going to look like yet. I generally don't bet MLB spring training anyway. Timing's obviously different this year. Are you, either of you getting involved in spring training? No, we have KBO, MPB, CPBO. What are you talking about, man? I got I got plenty of competitive baseball to bet on until opening day. And I've still got golf, and you may see me do some degenerate first five overs on these spring training games. So, All right, so that, that answer was yes from Colin. So get ready to see some of those come through on the Action app. Um, thanks, guys, for joining me. Make sure that you – we're going to have a ton of baseball content coming out. I mean, it's still a month away. We'll have some futures pieces, some player props pieces, and then obviously we'll be covering uh, a ton of – daily content uh once the season starts back up i'm excited i think the season is going to be chaos i'm team cast give me five give me four-way ties in divisions give me all that i want extra games and obviously the probability of that happening is higher in a 60 game series in season when we just have complete cast in so i'm rooting for that uh i'm actually excited i'm excited for all the sports to come back uh so thanks for listening uh thanks for subscribing don't forget to subscribe unsubscribe leave a review that really helps uh tell a friend tell an enemy uh and we'll like i said before a lot of new episodes coming nfl fantasy college football golf all throughout july through the fall into the winter uh stay safe stay sane and uh, we'll catch y'all later cheers peace out yep
We're finished talking. 